It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. You could say it's wages day on the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer as we sit around the table to discuss wage bills, how Everton slash theirs, and how, how big or small Everton's squad should be going into the new season. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland. Uh, very much welcome chaps and we're basing this podcast, Preno, on obviously the, the comments from Marcel Brands, which were obviously of huge interest to Evertonians, where he mentioned, as we thought, uh, a confirmation that Everton will need to slash the wage bill and reduce their squad. Um, is that the right course of action, reducing the wage bill for Everton this summer? Yeah, I think we need to qualify it first of all, because I know there's been a little bit of uh, concern, certainly on some of the social media networks, about Everton apparently requiring or having to you know, slash their wage bill and uh, reduce the cost. They don't have to. I think Farhad Mashiri wants to do that. He just wants to see his, uh, his money working harder, uh, because you know, certainly it didn't appear to work very hard for him last summer. Uh, and it's just prudence, you know, so a careful management of a football club. Um, when you read these comments, you then automatically start looking a little bit you know, more closely at Everson's wage bill. And I have to say, I, I was shocked, stroke, you know, surprised that you know, the, the, the wages that a number of Everson players are earning. And you understand why you know, you're trying to attract good players from all over Europe. You know, so you're, trying to, you're taking a punt on some players. I mean, Sandro Ramirez, six-figure salary. But Everson played such a you know, modest transfer fee for him. You can understand why they were prepared to pay him those, you know, those extra wages. Uh, but when you look at them all in isolation, I mean, Ashley Williams seems you know, is earning a huge uh, sum of money, Davy Klassen, obviously Wayne Rooney and Morgan Schneidlin, the big earners. Uh, you can understand why there's a need or uh, a desire rather than a need to want to reduce those limits. And yeah, I think just, you know, a leaner, you know, sort of harder working squad is healthy. Gav, are you, were you worried or concerned when you, when you read what Marcel had said and, and, and heard his intention and Marcel, uh, Marco's intention to reduce a wage bill and reduce a squad? Uh, no, because I think the squad needs reducing anyway. I think it was a 38 players is far too yeah. many. Um, you, know, you can have too much choice sometimes and, and from Farhad's perspective, you know, why pay the bill, you know, wages of 10 people who are never going to get near the, yeah. the first team. So in terms of reducing the squad, I think it, it, it's prudent. Um, and what we've got really is the result of having what, two or three management changes in, in, in three years where each manager had their own view of the world and brought their own players in on three, four-year contracts. And it's never thought that they're, at the end of that three or four-year cycle that they're all still going to be at the club, aren't they? So, no, I'm, 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 I totally agree with him and what Plano was saying there about good, good financial management, really. But we can't knock Farhad Mashiri for coming in in the summer of 2016, well, coming in in 2016 and that first summer making good on an internal promise to smash the wage structure and, you know, start paying wages, you know, that were above and beyond what was what was previously at the football club because that, that, that got the, the project, if you, if you like, moving and going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, helped by the, uh, you know, the big step, step up in the TV rights money couple of years ago was obviously supported that I mean I think 
Um, the accounts I think were compared last year with any of the Premier League clubs last week for the Premier League clubs for last year for the 2006-17 season and our wage bill then was £105 million pounds, which was the ninth highest in the Premier League and I think that's gone up again it was Robert Elston's Robert Elston's uh, prediction would be that for the season we just had it would have been about £139 million. Yeah so I mean it was inevitable that we were going to be paying high, higher wages anyway because of the TV money I know they tried to restrict that so uh, I, to be expected, in many ways was part of the three-year plan that far had talked about, wasn't it? To get players in quickly, going to have to maybe pay a little bit higher uh, than normal on the wages to get them into the club. Um, but because of the management changes and our sorts of performance not reaching the required standards over those two campaigns, we're left in this awkward position, really. And if you reduce the numbers in the squad, you know, presumably you can pay higher wages to better quality players. You know, 139 million divided between 38 players, you know, that dilutes the quality a little bit, you know, whereas... Not doing the quick masters there, Brennan. I'm trying to, yeah, very struggling badly. But, you know, equally, you know, if you're... You know, reducing the numbers, and you know, you got like a leaner squad. I think Marco Silva told us that he wanted, you know, two players in every position. You know, so 22, 24 players. You know, bolstered by younger players in the academy, and that was great to hear Marcel Brands talking about that. You know, he says before they even sign a player, they're going to look at the youth academy and just say, right, well, is there anybody whose progress could be hampered by bringing that player in? And you know, just to pick, you know, a name at random, Cuco Martina, who did you know pretty well, I thought, in spells last season. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know, he clearly prevented you know saw other players coming through you know saw from the youth academy uh, by playing. You know, there are other players you know saw at that level that possibly could have played. So they're going to look at that, which I think is quite important. And yeah, by reducing the numbers, you can then arguably you know pay really serious money for really serious players and improve the quality in your squad. Gav. We've alluded to what some of the players are already on, and some of the players' salaries are fairly well known. Wayne Rooney, obviously, being the football yeah. club's top earner. Do you feel that as football fans, we have a right to know a what the transfer fee of a player is, and b how much money he earns a week? Um, the last one first. I don't think any employee of any organisation their salary should should be shared. I know sometimes you have to do that legally, but um, certainly, you know, we don't we don't have a right to know about the, the wages. Transfer fee, slightly different thing. Um, you know, I remember the old. I know remember this. Remember the old. You know, the the, the transfer tribunals from, yeah, yeah. from the years ago. They were all supposed to be secret. Yeah. That those those fees that were between the clubs, they always got out eventually, and it's just part of the the reporting process that transfer fees get get recorded, don't they? So I've not got a problem on that. Um, sometimes clubs use them, don't they, as like we have as a as a display of our ambition for saying, "Oh, we paid such and such." So you know, for mm. for, for somebody, it can work, work in clubs' favours to have that you know uh, fee out there. And Should it be if, if we're gonna play that game in terms of it being for any football club, not just Everton? You know, a, a PR exercise in revealing the figure. If we reveal one figure, should they not reveal all of them for transfers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they just get out there, don't they? You know, there's just, the arguments as well about who pays the wages. I mean, yeah. I know it's not nothing to do with uh, money to the turnstiles anymore. It's all to do with TV money. But you know, that then is still paid for by you know your average punter, you, myself, you know, you know, everybody paying their Sky subscriptions, their BT subscriptions. That in turn 
pays players' wages. Therefore, is there a right, you know, so for us to know exactly what they're earning? I don't know. It's a difficult one. Uh, it does put unnecessary pressure on players. And, you know, for argument's sake, like last week when, you know, Marcel Brands and Mark and Silva were talking about wages and I started looking deep, more deeply into the Everton, you know, sort of players' salaries, and you see some of the salaries and you immediately think, how the hell is he earning? That's after what he produced last season. And it shouldn't be that, you know, so it shouldn't so be he's unhealthy. Exactly, it is, it is unhealthy. And I think, you know, if football clubs can keep wages, you know, quieter, it does take a little bit less pressure off players. It shouldn't be significant, but unfortunately it is. Mm. It, on all walks of life, look at the BBC. People want to know what their presenters, you know, are being paid. And it, it's an issue and rightly or wrongly, you know, so people talk about it. Yeah, I mean, some, some agents can use it to their own advantage, can't they? So they're only willing to offer this and we want that, you yes. know what I mean, and put that out there. So, I mean, it's, it's one of them things. Why is football treated differently to any other line of business? I know you mentioned the BBC there, Preno, but it, to me, it's... it's it's uncomfortable that mm. you know that 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 wages you know people think they've got the right to know what people earn, um, but it's just it's out there, isn't it? Really, transfer fees are slightly different. Um, going back to picking up on one of Plano's points before is I think that reduction of the squad. What you don't want as well is just people hanging out the training ground who are never going to get near the team. Yeah. Just just you know, it's just it's well that just, that just, comes just, on to the next point. Yeah. Gav is that how difficult are actually Everton although well-intentioned and it, we agree it's the right thing to do, how difficult is it actually going to be to move a lot of these players? And obviously Wayne would be an exception because he looks like he's going to go to DC United anyway. And that's, that, that's um, the wheels are in process and that should be completed fairly soon. But how difficult is it going to be to get rid of, hypothetically, players such as Sandro Ramirez, who we mentioned, and maybe Davy Klassen, who we are led to believe are on you know very, very good wages, but clearly... Have not been playing, and you know which clubs because it's unlikely they're going to find clubs in the Premier League given that the fact that they've not made it at Everton. So, yeah. are Everton almost in a catch two twenty two situation? Um, yeah, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Purely on the basis that you've answered that question by saying the wages are sky high. So who's going to, you know, if you went abroad, which foreign clubs can match those wages? We're just going to have to be imaginative, I think, and how yeah. how we deal with this. In terms of loan deals, par payments of salaries, all that type of stuff, I think it'd be very difficult for a, a like for like uh, wage bill to be be met by somebody you know abroad if you've not settled in this country, um, and also as well the simple matter of the transfer fee as well. So I, I think this year we're just going to have to be, as I say, try and use our imagination on but what's the best way of, of dealing with it in, in the short term, and. It'd be, be interesting to see if the club's prepared to take losses on players just to get them out, out the door in, in the well, short term. They end up paying the wages, don't they? Yeah. It's funny, actually, I was going to jump in there because I had this very same conversation a long time ago with Walter Smith when um, Everson were very, very strongly linked with Bobby Zamora. And if you remember, he was playing for Brighton, I think, at yeah. the time. And uh, Walter and a delegation, Bill Kenwright and a few others all went to Brighton to watch him play. And it seemed a bit weird, you know, why is the boardroom members going to watch this player? And I was talking to Walter about him and why I thought he'd be a decent signing. And he was more reluctant uh, to make the plunge. And he talked about wages. He says, well, if he comes to Everton, he's going to be on you know, good wages for the time then. If he can't make the step up from the Championship to the Premier League, we're stuck with him. You know, We can't move him on because his wages are so great. Other clubs, like you just said, have seen that he can't hack it in the Premier League. And therefore, you know, you end up pushing him out on loan somewhere, still paying half of his wages, and the club suffers financially as a result. As it was, you know, Zamora proved, not with Everton, but, you know, he was all right in the Premier League. He could cut it at that level. But it's a 
gamble. It always is a gamble when you're bringing players in from other leagues and from you know sort of other levels of football. Would we be naive, Preno and Gavin, get both of your thoughts on this, would we be naive to think that maybe there would be some give and take and that the players who haven't been playing but are keen to get playing again would take some form of wage cut to get a move? Depends on the individual. Some players would 100%. You know, you think they just want to play football. Wayne Rooney, for example, I think that's the reason he's going to DC United because he wants to carry on playing football and he'd rather carry on playing at Everson, but you can't get those assurances, which is why he's looking elsewhere. You look at other players, I'm not going to name names here, but I think there's one or two players in their squad that you look at and you think, yeah, he'd be happy to sit there and carry on taking the wages, especially when, you know, they are significant wages. Uh, all down to the individual, I think. And, you know, that's why your homework needs to be absolutely top class when you're looking into the players you're looking to buy. David Moyes was brilliant at that. Uh, he used to look at players' characters, attitudes, you know, so previous elsewhere. I don't think that level of meticulousness has quite gone into uh, transfers that are being made under, you know, some more recent managers. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah we've, we've said that before, haven't we? It goes back to the, this, um, the issue here is we needed to, you know, hit the grounds running under this project, didn't we? So we didn't have that time to take out and really scout the markets. I mean, we spoke, Phil, remember, on the podcast in 2016, saying, and that was the Euros that year, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. Um, and Ronald came in late, and it was only a very small window to buy players. Inevitably, there was going to be a little bit of a, um, you know, sort of mix and match and sort of uh, taking a gamble. Unfortunately... Um, that gamble for a, for a lot of players hasn't worked, has it really? I'm now left in this this awkward position. It, it, it's it's interesting. Um, do, do you think professional pride comes into this? I know I know Marcel spoke it, about it having be. difficult yeah. difficult conversation mm. with players, and do some players actually? You know, think actually, I don't really want it. It's not great for my longer term career. Well, I was going to say, does it matter at what what stage of their career they're at? Yeah, it does. Well, Prano said about Wayne, he can afford to do that on his own as money. Somebody else may be 10 years younger, it's slightly different. But one of the options being is actually, I'm, you know, the next four or five years of my career, I might be better taking a short term hit on wages and making a move that's maybe not immediately financial beneficial for me, just to keep me out there and keep clubs interested and show that I've got a longer term future in the game and some of the more cleverer players you may think that that might, you know if they're best advised if they haven't got a future event you know the advice would be well actually in the longer term you might won't want to take a you know take a hit um, but as you say it, it's all down to personality and the agent's personality as well isn't it it is yeah the know. agents you know can push players a lot I'm thinking of a situation that Jack Rodwell's in up at Sunderland where he's getting an awful lot of flack uh, for you know sort of not moving on uh, because he is on significant wages for a club at Sunderland's level and you know he would have to take a significant drop you know so to go anywhere else and you know he's found himself in a very very awkward situation uh, I think he should bite the bullet nothing to do with us what happens to Jack Rodwell these days you know he, he's made his bed so he should lie in it but yeah you know the, the personality and the agents you know so come into a significant amount I mean the other thing as well is when we're talking about wages is, is to have in mind is the next um, the next TVD deal for the overseas rights for the Premier League yes. is, is due in the, in the next 12 months or something like that where they're anticipating another massive step change in what's paid uh, from um, foreign countries and that's going to obviously raise revenue enormously for the Premier League clubs and so whenever they're negotiating about wages with players we want to bring in now agents are going to have that in mind that actually 150k for Wayne Rooney as you're saying is like high but actually under the TV deals come in and, and so on and so forth, that could well be the norm. So we have to, 
view the longer, you know, what's going to happen with income over the next four or five years uh, with clubs uh, when we're talking about wages. But I, I'm, I'm with Breno on this. I'd rather have 20 players top quality on good money. And is there, not, is there not an argument to say as well as that would, you know, that is actually, you know, very sensible and to say that, but equally, is there not an, a, um, an argument to a, a bit of a shift in transfer policy at Everton where they actually should be trying to recruit younger, hungrier players at the, at the earliest stages of his career who can't demand the top whack but are willing to prove themselves and, and they've got the, you know, it's an incentivised deal or the, you can go on and earn this but you need to show us. And yeah, well, like Marcel did the PSV. Well, this goes back to short-term and medium and long-term aims, isn't it? Can't can ourselves in that position. It's all very well talking about academy players and and so on. It is, is can and this is the problem we face over the last couple of years. Can we take that gamble of saying, "Oh, we need you know we're buying young, promising." Can we take that gamble? It might take a year or two years. But to even given what you, team. but given what you just said, Gav, a couple of minutes ago about. The difficulty, difficulties we had in the summer of 2016 where we try to get things moving at double quick speed. Yeah. Have we just got to be... It's been a word we've used a lot, unfortunately, as Evertonians, but patient with this new system with Marcel and Marco and go, look, it's going to be difficult to completely reshape the squad overnight. It won't happen in total this summer. It will. This is a, this yeah. is a project, as, yeah, everybody's, yeah. You know, as they all say now, don't they? Yeah, and it's interesting to see what Plano says about this. Maybe... Farhad's recalibrating what we can achieve in the short term and what, he's, what he may think is that the best value we can get out of his investments is if we do that rather than have a load of dead money spent on transfers and wages and, and perhaps you know that, that, that thing of using the transfer market actually to generate in, income for the club rather than just being a case of you know bringing players in like Chelsea make enormous profits, profits don't they on, on, on sales um, so maybe you know, with the new leadership at the top of the club, you may want to just like, as you say, take a step back and say, rather than three years, four or five years or whatever might be the more realistic aim here, and give ourselves a couple of years just to build something up from the bottom. Because, Prenner, just before I let you answer there, because with total respect and hugely admire Sean Dyche and what he did with Burnley last season, we still finished eighth, and we had a bit of a nightmare, didn't we? <laughs> so, as far as the football club looked at that and gone don't have to be great shakes to get back into the Europa League assuming seventh does yeah. it, is it so we can still make progress inverted commas while steadily building this up again I, I think the targets are still the same as they have been I still think it's top six it's Europe that you know so Everton are looking for I don't think that will change like you say it's only one position higher up the league uh, and you know you can do that with the acquisition of I think they both said Marco and Marcel you know, there's not going to be anything like the, the scattergun approach to transfer market this summer it's going to be quality rather than quantity two maybe three you know higher quality players than Emerson already have and that you know could be sufficient to do it and it's funny Gav mentioned that about uh, you know sort of transfer policy of Chelsea uh, you know a lot of football clubs do treat the transfer market differently and Chelsea are using it to make money Ross Barkley has been bought I'm convinced as an investment not with any long-term plan to include him in their first team squad and to play football matches it's because at 15 million quid he was a bargain that couldn't be ignored that they will sell a year two years on down the line for twice that at least yeah. and you know it's quite cynical but they've been very very good at doing it yeah, probably sound back to us yeah <laughs> well, that's why they've got so many players out on loan isn't it yeah. so yeah it, it's it's going to be interesting uh to see how how that whole thing pans out i mean and what 
I mean, we've got we've got academies are like that, aren't they? Where academy any transfer fee you'd you'd receive it at an academy play, it's just profits, isn't it? So it's interesting to see clubs are using the market differently. It's not just a case of buying players to get the team on the pitch working. It's as as you say, an investment. Um and maybe we wanna think think like that as well. Um it's it but it, the key is the demands on, on for success and what, what yeah, people think they the, can The achieve. interesting one in recent years has been the number of players Everton have bought primarily for the youth academy, mm. which I don't remember in the past. I mean, you buy players because you think they're going to play in your first team. And Everton aren't doing that now. They're actively adding three or four players every summer who they can play in the youth academy, hopefully develop and uh, bring through. We, we haven't seen too much success you know in that strategy recently i mean john stones and mason holgate were bought you know i would suggest as first team players and you made the progress very very quickly the players have been identified for the under 23 squad can't think of any really that have you know so come through and play you know regular first team football but you know it's something you can't ignore has done very well sorry yeah calvert lewin has been excellent yeah but yeah that that part you know there haven't been that many i mean certainly the four or five that were bought last season i think there's high hopes more than i did yeah i think there's high hopes for dennis adenaran yeah. He got injured, so missed the, the final half of the season. But I think there's some really high hopes for him. He was obviously bought from Fulham on deadline day last yeah. summer, so he's one that certainly we should uh, we should keep an eye on. Um, just thinking about Farhad's um, new sort of take on 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 finances at Everton. How much are these decisions that he's making now to just tighten the purse strings, so to speak, are with them with with Bramley Moore in mind? And is he is he thinking? I want to retain the funds and the resource that when we're in this new stadium, fingers crossed, and we're paying back loans or whatever, and the costs that come with it, I've still got the funds available to help the team on the pitch if needed to inject the cash or go and buy X, Y, and Z. And yeah, yeah. It's two different pots of money, aren't they? Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. Um, the best way of paying for Bramley Moore is success in the Premier League, though, isn't it? It's to a degree and that the commercial stuff that comes on the back of that so that's why the top six is 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 is, is the best way of like sort of meeting the financial challenges of, of Bramley Moore so yeah I think it just goes back to what Preno said at the very start of the podcast it's just part of good financial management of the club overall isn't it really and I'm sure that comes into it because um, it and you've got FFP there and I know like the stuff we spend on Bramley Moore doesn't come under FFP does it Um I think I think that's still right. That's still the rule. Um, so yeah, I, just part of good stewardship of the club, and you know, you never become a you know a billionaire by wasting money, did you? Like in the long term, in the short term maybe, but in, yes. in the long term. Well, yeah. I think that's entirely it. Yeah. I don't think Bramley Moore has any part to play in his thoughts at all. You know, I think he just saw the money that was wasted last summer. And just thought, I don't want to see that again. I, I want to see, you know, money used prudently. And I think that's what's coming to his thinking. And it's not just players who have been bought who haven't been a success, because that can happen to any football club. You know, you can never, you know, sort of second guess how a player's going to do. It's seeing players bought for the same position over and over again. That's just madness. And um, you know, I think that made him, you know, sit up and take stock. And I think that's why Steve Walsh has moved on. You know, because you know the transfer strategy didn't appear to be all that coordinated or all all that clever, to be mm. perfectly honest. Or that strategic exactly yeah <laughs> and I think that's why you know he wants to see a different approach this summer I don't think it's anything to do with you know saving money for Bramley Moore he just wants to see his money used more sensibly mm-hmm. on Friday afternoon Spurs announced that it uh, awarded Harry Kane with a new deal where he apparently has doubled his wages from £100,000 a week to the princely sum of £200,000 <laughs> yeah. a week Spurs famously Gav uh, have employed a salary cap 
Now, is that something that perhaps privately Farhad may have instructed Marcel to work with, or is it something that they that Everton should be looking to do? Um, first thing to say, I think Harry Kane's worth every penny of two hundred grand a week. Um, you know, if that's the the starting point, it depends what you define as a salary gap. Though it's like, is that by player or just for the squad as a per week as a whole and individual contracts? Certainly, or, the impression you get from Spurs is when they're renegotiating yeah. or negotiating transfers of any player, they say, "Well, we're not willing to pay you above anything else because the highest earner of the football club is Harry Kane, and he's yeah. on hundred grand." Of 200 yeah, well, yeah, I think that's true, but it goes back to what I was saying before. But the TV money and the overseas rights coming into it, then how long is a salary cap valid? I mean, um, I think a far more better way of doing it, which is what we agreed here, is to say each year, Marcel, you've got you know 130 million pounds to spend on wages, you know fit your strategy around that you know negotiate higher deals for the players who you think are worth it if you want to bring quality in but overall that's what that's the budget that you're living in living living with so i'd be far more a fan of the the, the that that strategy uh than than sort of like saying we will never pay a player here more than extra okay. week because that excludes then players from the market that actually you you, you may may otherwise have wanted and do you remember that spell in the 70s when we had the four or five top-class players all putting in transfer requests? Yeah. Was it Latchford, Colin Todd? They, you know, there were loads all at the same Dave, time because you know, the club wouldn't pay the wages. They Dave were Thomas for. was another one, Dave wasn't Thomas, he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It can be a very dangerous road to take if you mm. start putting caps on. For argument's sake, you know, say Marcus Rashford suddenly becomes available this summer and you, know, you get wind that he might be prepared to come to Everton. You pay whatever he wants, you know, because he would improve Everton dramatically. Mm. Uh, I think you've got to be careful with transfer caps or salary caps. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you got that the whole point of this as well is pay them what they want but don't overpay. Yeah. You know, pay you know, it has to be like a two sided thing. So I, I just think it, it it's the whole thing makes sense for me. You know, this 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 discussion and what, what Marcel's come in and said and what Farhad's aims are and sort of, you know, maybe just looking at things again. I think it all makes sense and fits in with the new the sort of new regime of the club, both at boardroom level and on the coaching pitch, to be honest with you. So, on things making sense, last summer, the football club sold Romelu Lukaku at a healthy profit. The summer before, they sold John Stones at a healthy profit. Pren, I'm going to come to you first because I have had this discussion with Gav. If Everton Football Club were made an offer for one of their prized assets, and it was our assumption that the, the most prized asset in the, in the squad is Jordan Pickford, and obviously the suggestions, paper talk of Bayern Munich keeping tabs on him, if there was a, a huge offer for Jordan Pickford, and we're talking the going rate of a top-class goalkeeper, maybe seventy million, something like that, do Everton seriously have to consider it now? Is that something that you have to go? Well, huh. that's seventy million we can reinvest. It's a tough one. That I mean, I, I like Jordan Pickford an awful lot, but could you get you know a goalkeeper of approaching that kind of quality, you know, for for half that that seventy million quid? I would argue you possibly could. What you're taking a chance on then is how that play will develop. And, you know, could he become a Neville Southall, you know, one of the best goalkeepers we've ever seen? And it's a dangerous one. I mean, again, using, you know, a historical contrast, 
Everson made a massive mistake, I believe, when they sold Gary Lineker uh, to Barcelona for 2.8 million in the summer of 86. The guy just finished top scorer at the World Cup. And Howard always justified that the following year by saying Everson won the league by, you know, playing football in a different way, uh, being more of a, a team player, not looking for the ball over the top, not being as direct as Route 1. But equally, they were denied, you know, Europe's top goal scorer for the next five or six seasons. And so, I don't know. I mean, only the coaches that work with Jordan Pickford that know what his potential would be like could make the call on that. I, I would be loath to lose him. I, I think when you've got you know, any player that has settled into the club so quickly, uh, is playing very, very well already and looks like he's going to improve, you don't look to sell him, uh, no matter what kind of uh, offer is made. No, Gavin, I'm, I'm sure you would echo the sentiments. We, yeah. we don't want to see Jordan Pickford go, but in terms of it being a business decision, is, is it something that... Everton hypothetically would have to consider or is it just no chance we're not even sort of going to count them yeah, players role and this is important what do they want as well I I, I just think going back to Preno sound like two old fogies here like the other one <laughs> That's not, not buying Peter Shilton in the 70s isn't yeah. it like that cost us not having a top class goalkeeper yeah. Yeah. so you know it, Finally, after 130 years of organised football, people have realised that that goalkeepers are actually valued assets in the fact yeah. in the modern game and actually maybe getting onto that being the most important member of the team That's at, at the Brian, top level. One of the many reasons Brian Clough was ahead yeah. of his time. One and of the few you're now, English managers that recognise yeah, that. Yeah, and you're now looking at you know fees for goalkeepers commensurate with their importance to the mm-hmm. team. And you know, and some of them don't carry this. They're not going to get injured. That okay, they might pick up the odd injury. They don't have the risk of outfield players, and a lot of them. Uh, so I think um, on that basis, you would be loath to to welcome any bids or encourage anything with Jordan. If he, if he, assuming he, he has a good World Cup and he comes back, and maybe and that, would, good, that worries me. The World yeah, Cup, you know, with yeah. Pickford, because you know, it's such a high-profile position, and you know, one mistake, how's that going to affect? Well, that's it. Yeah, it could work both yeah. ways here, couldn't yeah. it? Um, so I think. To me, it's rapidly becoming the most important part of the team. You know, as, as dare I say, our rivals across the park have maybe learned over the last 12 or 18 months. Uh, and so, therefore, n- no. But, and that would be the business decision in terms of the well being of the team, once to be successful, keep him, assuming he develops. Yeah. And he's got what, you know, all coaches are looking for in their goalkeepers now with the ball at his feet yes you know he's, he's a great goalkeeper you know with his shot stopping but with the ball at his feet he's better than most out there and that's what you know Pep Guardiola was seeking that, that's what so many that's what uh, Jurgen Klopp wants and hasn't quite got yet you know Everton have got it so yeah you know keep hold for as long as you can uh, moving away slightly but just before we finish up from wages uh, but staying with goalkeepers Prano disappointed to see that Joel Robles has been released and looks like he's heading home with uh, Hitafe favourites to sign him yeah I mean th- I think he was an, an ideal number two, if you like. Um, I've, I've been through this so many times. Yeah, because, you know, Neville Southall's career, uh, where goalkeepers never got a look in, and there was like a you know conveyor belt. But to begin with, you know, he was pushed, you know, by Jim Arnold and Bobby Mims and uh, Joe Robles. Is he's, he's better than a backup, really? I mean, he was very hard done to when he had that little spell uh, when he was keeping Tim Howard out of the team. And you know should really have kept his place when Tim Howard regained full fitness, you know, so after injury and didn't, and was never really given the opportunity to show that you know he could make that position his own. Um, I would have liked to have seen him stick around. I mean, Stecklenberg has done okay in, in patches, but you know he's, he's 34, 35 now. You know, Rob Blair's much much the younger younger man, but 
you know, goalkeepers get frustrated. I mean, it's funny actually, I was a feature in one of the air papers this weekend about the Chelsea number two, a guy I'd never heard of. He'd been there nine years, and I think he played about three or four games, and he's finally moved on at the age of 25. Wow. And, you know, absolutely staggering. So finding a goalkeeper that is willing to be patient and willing to stick around uh, and, you know, get the occasional Carabao Cup tie or, you know, the occasional appearance when goalkeepers are injured is very, very difficult to do. Uh, sorry to see Joel go. I think he was better than you know uh, a number two, but equally Jordan Pickford is the man that you know is, is going to be very very hard to dislodge over the next few seasons. So Hunt is on to maybe find a younger alternative. Indeed, um, Gav, encouraged by the comments from Marcel Brands over the weekend, uh, Preno's piece uh, saying that Luckman is somebody that he tried to sign at PSV. You know he's very happy with his talent and he will be involved in the squad this season. Yeah, because he's finished off the, uh, the goal at this point. Richard Wright's still not available, is he? <laughs> on the bench. Like, yeah, he should yeah, never yeah. have been in, yeah, yeah. in the first place. Um, yeah. yeah, very. I mean, he's. We talk about players you don't want to see moved on, and, and Luckman's had an interesting time at Evan, hasn't he? Because not only had the Dortmund loan move, there was stories that maybe he was unhappy and things behind the scenes, you know, 12 months ago. Uh, keep him all day long. You know, we talk about players who, in the current squad, last year, about what their roles would be under under silver, under maybe say four three three, and he he's ideally, isn't he, four three three up top on the left left hand side. He, 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 he was he the first person I thought of when Marco said yeah. four three three. Yeah, he'd be he'd be one of the first names on the team. She's assuming he develops and he's imbued with confidence, hopefully from the the, the Leipzig experience. Um, would would not send a good message if he if he was uh, up for sale and he hopefully next year he'd be one of the first names on the team sheet. Well, yeah, a bit of background on that conversation because it was uh, with the Sunday newspaper journalist and initially they'd asked uh, Marcel about Davy Klassen and he gave a very diplomatic, very you know sort of uncommitted answer, reading between the lines, which makes you think, oh well, they're going to try and move him on. So we then asked him about Adamola Luckman and it was a much shorter, much more pointed response. And he goes, yes, I know all about him. I tried to sign him for PSV, very talented player. He'll be moved up to the first team squad. You know, so clearly they see a role for him. Now, hopefully that will be sufficient encouragement for Adamola Luckman, you know, to, to see a future for himself at Everton and stick around because clearly he's a very ambitious young man. That was a very brave move to go to Germany uh, at the age he did. And it was successful, you know, proved that, you know, the young lad has got a bit about him. Um, so, you know, hopefully he will get his opportunity. And, you know, he did have occasions last season when he made things happen. For me, the turning point in the Watford game was Luckman coming on the 3-2 home. I mean, he was absolutely great that day. There was the little cameo in the Anfield, you know, FA Cup derby where he looked great. But equally, earlier in the season, there were times when he was a bit of a liability. You know, he'd get possession and lose it very, very easily. That was early on in the season. Maybe he was still learning. And, you know, clearly there's a talent there, but it needs to be honed and needs to be nurtured in the right way. Hope he gets opportunities and I hope he takes it because clearly, you know, the raw material there is impressive. Mm. And, of course, <laughs> Steve Walsh signing, Gav. So, yeah, um. yeah, yeah. I was just saying something about wages. We've probably given him a 20 grand, <laughs> grand a week pay rise there. Have me, like, <laughs> talking him up. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, some... Yeah. It's, it's interesting comparing them. Exception proves the rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit, a bit like Howard's first seven or eight signs oh, weren't that great, right. but one of them was Neville, wasn't he? Yeah. He got away with it in some yeah. respects, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, what can you say about uh, Walsh? I mean, there's a big difference. I know we, this is not necessarily subject to the podcast. Massive difference between Walsh and Brands, isn't it, in terms of their, their gravitas and the role and 
because of their experience, maybe personality, and that's an enormous bonus for me in all of this. Um, so yeah, so hopefully it'll work out, and you know, hopefully you know if that's Walsh's main benefit to Everton, then you know we all, we all benefit ourselves, don't we? Absolutely. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for listening to a special wages edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay with the Echo uh, online right the way through the summer and obviously we'll be back to record another podcast soon. But thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.